What's good, defenders, and welcome to episode 194 of the most LAFC podcast on earth. You know my voice, I am the scarf, J.R. Liebert, and you are listening to me coming relatively live from beautiful Lawndale, California, not quite the heart of Screenland and not quite world-famous Philomonster Studios, and not quite the best effort from LAFC, but ready to put in his best effort sitting just across the table from me as we are strewn with three kittens here at Nina's place. This is one Christian Philly Philemon. Live, barely live, but not necessarily feeling very much alive. What's going on, Defenders? These are the podcasts that we dread the most. We knew they were coming. We just didn't think they would come so soon and so abruptly. Wednesday night, late night, talking about a game in which we anticipated a W only to come back with, you know, flat-footed and whatnot. I hate doing these podcasts, Scarf. I love doing the podcasts, but these, when- these late-night Wednesday, like, bad outcome podcasts, this is one of those ones where we're going to have to exercise the demons, and hopefully the millions... And millions. ...will get to exercise their demons as well, watching us try to uh, <laughs> skate through this podcast today. Yeah, look, it was billed as the Taco Derby breakfast tacos against the best tacos, Los Angeles against Austin. Austin's a great city and all, but you know what? It's not L.A. Well, today, yes, Austin— Yes, they don't have $7 a gallon for gas. <laughs> that's, that's, where are you paying $7? That's a I, lot. I saw that the other day. My goodness. Look, $40 uh, at Gelson's for four chicken breasts, by the way. Oh, LAFC, probably a little Verde with Envy, if you will, at the place in the standings after this match. And Philly, it's a losing streak for the first time in 2022. We lost our last one and lose this one as well. So dropping two in a row to follow, fall, excuse me, to what I believe is now 7-3-2 and two on the season. Yep, and uh, we gave Austin their seventh win of the season as well. We now have the same exact record. Mind you, this was a team that hadn't won nine games all of last year. Now they've won seven. Now they are on top of the West. It's unbelievable. Never would have anticipated Austin to be this good of a team, and I really thought that we would stick it to them. What they needed was a W, and they needed FC Dallas to... Tie or lose to Vancouver. And guess what? They lost. Yeah. They that, lost. That Thank you, Lucas Cavallini. They, they lost. Uh, and so as a result of that, they now jump ahead of us on the tables. And we're left scratching our head going, what the heck happened? Because we certainly had our chances. We certainly had our opportunities. But man, man, did we have situations and counters and, and plays and sequences where we were just absolutely abysmal. They made us puke up something there day yeah look i'll be honest it's so early in the season still and we're what 12 matches in we're still tied it's about a third though yeah that's okay we're at we're tied at the top of the table so if you're telling me at the third at the one third way mark of the season we'd be tied top of the table and tied for top of supporter shield standing i'm okay with that seven three and two tied for the best record in major league soccer i'm okay with that 24 goals scored, just one goal behind the leaders, and that's the team that beat us today 2-1. I'm okay with that. A double-digit goal differential, one of only four clubs that has a double-digit goal differential 
unless you're counting Sporting Kansas City and Miami who have a negative double-digit goal differential. I'm liking where we're at, and everybody who wants to worry about things this early on in the season, while we are still battling for Open Cup, which is coming up in just about a week, while we are still getting a lot of people back healthy, and unfortunately after this match, what we'll talk about is maybe losing one more, and this one a very significant piece. I'm not all that worried right now. Defenders Nation, I just I can't get upset. No, and that's fair. You're obviously coming in with the glass half full approach. I'm certainly not one of these like blow it all to hell. This is the season's lost. Who are we gonna blame? Blame the defense. Blame Steve. Blame the injuries. Blame Bob. I mean, there's just all kinds of blames going around. But the fact that we snap a nine game home unbeaten streak in all competitions stinks. The fact that Austin finally beats us after being after failing to do that in the last three games, that sucks. And we had a couple of really nice milestones for two of our longest standing yeah. veterans, which we'll get into. Yes. But at the same time, it's like, you know, this is one of the more important matches. Sure we have seven wins on the season. But like Austin was one of those teams where we were eagerly anticipating a W against because that would really solidify how good we are. And it's the good teams that we faced thus far that have proven to be the biggest challenge, obviously. But, you know, having the injury bug and having everything that I just, you know, stated earlier, I mean, it just it just sucks, man. It's just a kick in the pants. Yeah, look, I'm not saying I loved the result at all tonight. Um, let's do a quick rundown of the episode. We've got a very quick This Day in LAC History followed by a very short news and notes. We'll take a look at how the Las Vegas Lights did today against the Birmingham Legion. Hint, they didn't lose, so we'll take that. Uh, We'll have a quick breakdown of the match. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) You mean we're going to have our own breakdown? Oh, my goodness. Talking about this match? And then we'll look at the standings for the final three games. Yes, there are still three games left to play. In the month of May, eight games in 28 days. This is our second run of four games in 14 days. A quick reminder, if you're not already, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Defenders of the Bank and on Twitter at Defend the Bank. And we just want to remind everybody that the Mauricio Mo Facio Futsal Court in Southeast LA, the fundraising effort is underway. LAFC, the LAFC Foundation, and the 3252 are partnering to build a futsal court in Southeast LA in Moe's honor. The link to donate is in our bio, and we at Defenders of the Bank are planning several ways to help raise money for this court being built in Moe's memory. Let's get into a very quick This Day in LAFC history. Our match was played on the 18th of May, and on the 18th of May back in 2015, LAFC makes a formal announcement of the stadium project in Los Angeles that would, of course, eventually become Bank of California Stadium. MLS Commissioner Don Garber, LA City Councilman Curran Price and Herb Wesson, and LAFC President back in the day, Tom Penn. I remember that guy. Yeah, he was at the bank not too long ago, led the festivities. Owners Ruben Nanalingnam, Magic Johnson, Mia Hamm, Noma Gassiapara, Henry Wynn, and Peter Guber all joined them on stage, and that was certainly a memorable day in LAFC history, May 18th, 2015. And just a couple of quick ones on the 19th. May 19th, 1993. Happy birthday to the reigning two-time MLS Defender of the Year and one of our favorite defenders of the bank, 
one Walker Zimmerman. Happy birthday to Walker. Here it is already the 19th as we are recording this, May 19th at about 1.25 in the morning. So I'm so tired. I'm going to need a Walker to get out of here. <laughs> Walker Zimmerman, happy birthday. On the 19th in 2018, LAFC falls at Portland 2-1, to even though Carlos Vela scored in the 74th minute. And on the 19th in 2019, LAFC plays FC Dallas to a 1-1 draw on the road. It was the second game in four days against FC Dallas. And it was another Carlos Vela goal, a penalty kick in the 80th minute. Hmm, that sounds fun. Steven Batashore in that match became the first defender in MLS history with 20,000 minutes played and 35 assists. And that is this day in LAFC history. Philly, the only little bit of news and notes I've got was kind of a cool one when Major League Soccer Players Association released all the salary figures and I was surprised to see Carlos Vela, not one, not two, not three, but down at number seven on the list in biggest uh, guaranteed compensation, most guaranteed compensation. And uh, out of all the players, I guess he came over with the most fanfare in the offseason. But Jerdon Shakiri is currently the highest paid player in terms of guaranteed compensation, and he's making just about double that of what Carlos Vela is making. I mean, yeah, I'm 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 jealous. I'm superbly jealous. But I mean, if you look at it, I mean, Shakiri is, uh, you know, a little younger. He uh he certainly has national team experience and national team potential going forward. Carlos has already mentioned he doesn't want to do that. Um I don't know. Obviously, Shakiri has yet to make the big splash yeah. that we uh, we were expecting. Maybe there's something in the air other than humidity. <laughs> right around Lake Michigan, because the last big names the Chicago Fire brought on, uh, Bastian Schweinsteiger, yeah. um, he, he obviously was another one of these busts. Bastian at that point was, you know, a, a lot older and a lot more advanced in his career, but, you know, there's still plenty of season left. Like you said, a third of it, a third of the way through. Shakiri can certainly still make, uh, make an impact, but, you know, Carlos Vela, it shouldn't surprise anybody. I mean, Carlos Vela certainly, certainly not as playing. Like, he should be the yeah. highest-paid player in Major League Soccer. So this doesn't come as a shock to me. Yeah. Uh, I would be more, I guess, understanding if he fell out of the top five. Yeah, he, well, he did that. He is now the seventh highest-paid player in the game. Chicharito at about $6 million is second, followed by the often-used and never-forgotten Gonzalo Iguahin of Inter I just picture him on, like, a cigarette ad commercial yeah like instead of joe camel it's he got in 5.8 million dollars to hang out in miami for the rest of the year no state tax either how about alejandro posuelo josie altador and joseph martinez all making more money than carlos vela sitting in seventh at about 4.05 million dollars <laughs> well joseph martinez is certainly sitting these days yeah, Joseph, how about, I mean, Josie Altador, is he doing anything for New England right now? He's been terrible. Pozuelo in, in Bob's system doesn't really seem like he's got it together. Philly and I will definitely be sharing our thoughts on the overall salary makeup of the club in an episode Give coming me 1% of that, please. soon, right? Let's take a very quick look at how the Las Vegas Lights are doing. They played an entire match and neither team scored. Las Vegas took on the Birmingham Legion today in an away match at Protective Stadium and Legion Field in 
beautiful Bur- Birmingham, Alabama. Tuscaloosa is nice. Okay. The game turned out to be a riveting 0-0 draw, and their next game is 11 days away, which must be nice. LAFC doesn't get 11 days in between matches against one of my favorite USL team names, the El Paso Locomotive. <laughs> so that'll be fun. Philly Angel City plays on Saturday, so no need to get into an Angel City minute. After taking all three points, all three times against we, uh, when we played them last season, we take on FC Broccoli for the first time in 2022. Head coach Josh Wolf has them playing pretty well heading into this matchup as they are third in the table coming into it. But as we said already, aspirations to make it to the top of the table, which they most certainly did. Philly, this has been a lineup where the players that they brought in, and we'll touch on those guys in a little bit, have really made a massive impact on their standings and on their play in 2022. Yeah, look, again, they didn't have a great season last season, winning only nine games. It was much of a surprise seeing them perform thus far this year. Coming into this match, they were tied with LAFC for the MLS leader in terms of goals scored at 23. They led the league with team assists at 29. Uh, Sebastian Driussi, Tied with Jeremy Abobasi and Toronto's Jimenez for the second leading score in Major League Soccer. That's pretty awesome. And then Diego Fagundes of New England Revolution fame leading the league in assists. In addition to that, they are a team that inside the 18 leads the league in scoring. Wow. Where are all these accolades coming from? Unbelievable. Josh Wolf, relatively early Gets a contract extension. You'd think he was on the hot seat and he wouldn't know what he's doing, but he's going to be welcomed in Austin for a little while longer. And coming into Bank of California Stadium, this team was riding a two-game losing streak, not having won a game since April the 30th when they last played against the Houston Dynamo. But one of the key differences during that game, their goalkeeper in last year's Austin Defensive Player of the Year, Brad Stuver, had a knee laceration. He went out, he went out, and then they bring in their backup, and they go on a two-game losing streak. Losing one nothing to the Galaxy, and then recently 2-1 to Real Salt Lake. But Stuver is back, and obviously he made a tremendous impact, and we'll talk more on him later. Yeah, there's another fun little storyline to note, and I'm, I'm this, this little dude, Harry. So we have three kittens over at Nina's place, and Harry is literally using my computer wants as to a type. crawl space right now. He has typed many, many things. Uh, another storyline that was fun to look at in terms of Austin is whether or not Josh Wolf would start his kid. That's right. Owen Wolf. He's a big boy, by the way. He's bigger than dad. He is. Under the age of 18 years old, he became one of another handful of players in Major League Soccer this season to start a match under the age of 18 Definitely something that was pretty cool, something we were looking at. Uh, so we're going to get right in, Philly, to the lineups. Let's let's start with Austin's lineup with Dad Josh as the coach. You mentioned Brad Stuver already back there in net. Dare I say, maybe even player of the game again for Austin FC against us. Nick Lima, Julio Cascante, Ruben Gabrielson, and Zan Komanich round out the back line for Austin, which actually played really well today. Alexander Ring, Johan Valencia are your midfielders, and Owen Wolf. Yep, he started. Sebastian Driussi, Diego Fagundes, and Maxi Arruti <laughs> round out the lineup. You've got Kip Keller, Danny Hazen, and John Gallagher hey. as your 
principal players coming off the bench for Austin, a team that, again, lost all three times they played us last season. Philly, it was not your run-of-the-mill starting lineup, even though it looked like on paper that a lot of these guys were ready to go and we could have put one of our best 11 lineups out there. Yeah, one person that you didn't mention on Austin who started every game this season was Danny Pereira. He uh, sustained a yellow card in the 47th minute in their last match against Real Salt Lake. That yellow card gave him a yellow card accumulation and a mandatory suspension. So one key player to uh, that, that you're missing from that lineup. Uh, we're playing a lot of games this, this, this May. We have an awful, awful lot of games this May. And so looking at the starting lineup in between the pipes for LAFC, and we could discuss that in a minute, uh, we got Maxime Crippo, uh, rightfully so, despite the fact that John McCarthy had a really good game. I mean, in Maxime, we trust he is our number one. Our back line consisting of Chiki Palacios, Sebastian Ibiaga, welcome back, Jesus David Murillo, the yellow card earning machine, and Kellen Acosta starting in the backfield. Yeah. We were talking about this on 110 that certainly didn't inspire a lot of confidence. Kellen Acosta, U.S. Men's International, picked him up from Colorado last season. Uh, very, very versatile player, although he certainly looked lost out there in the field today. More on that later. Our midfield consisting of the game changer. He did something special today. Yeah. Latif Blessing. Ilya Sanchez, who is arguably one of our best signings of the season. And Jose Cifuentes, a player that has had much success against FC Broccoli in the past as he is LAFC's all-time leading scorer against Austin with two goals rounding out the midfield. And the front line. We've got Mahala. No surprise there. We've got Vela. No surprise there. But starting... And honestly, rightfully so, because he has had a nice run of form lately in doing his thing. Danny Musovsky. So that's your starting lineup. Our bench. John McCarthy. Obviously, we are going to need a backup keeper for a sub. Poncho. Mamadou Fall. Mamadou Fall not starting is crazy. And you mentioned it on 110. Like, well, it makes you nervous not having a 19-year-old starting in the back It's crazy line. that that's Ch the case. No doubt. Chicho Arango. Surprised that he's not starting, but obviously he can make a difference one way or another. We welcome back Scarf's man, Brian. Still waiting on that song from J.R. Liebert, the Scarf, Brian. And you know what? I would say he was uh, certainly a, a welcome, welcome. I, I welcomed him back. He, he certainly made an impact. Cal Jennings and Daniil Henry. No Ryan Hollingshead. He's out. Obviously the usual suspects, Eddie Segura, Julian Gaines, Eric Duenas. Um, yeah, we, uh, we have the injury bug going on scarf going on and that's the lineup for LAFC. Yeah. Look, this is a team I, I talked about at the beginning of the season. I think we are the deepest team in major league soccer. <laughs> I, I think that now that we are playing our third string right back where Kellen Acosta was playing now that we are playing our third or fourth string center back where Sebastian Ibiaga is playing now that we see guys like Pancho Ginella getting significant minutes which I don't think was part of the plan coming into the season. Now that we are seeing guys like Mahala and Danny Musovsky, who are at best our third or fourth string options on the front line, we're not talking about going one or two guys deep in our 18. We're talking about having five or six front line players come off with injury or fatigue or whatever it might be in this time span and having to play guys who are on the supplement 
excuse me, supplemental parts of our roster. That's what we are seeing. When guys like Cal Jennings, when guys like Danny Masovsky and guys like uh, Mahala Opoku on the front line are playing, that means what's happening is that guys like Brian Rodriguez, Chicho Arango, Ishmael Tajuri, Shradi, these guys who we can come to expect, those guys have to be hurt. Or those guys have to be in awful form. And I'm telling you right now. Or we have to have 100 games in the month of May. Yeah, not a lot of guys are in awful form. Again, eight games in 28 days, four and 14 happening twice in a row. So Yeah, we can't totally complain about that scarf. I mean, we look at guys in the Premier League. They've got the Carabao Cup. They've got the FA Cup. Yeah. They've got all these other cups. Champions League, if you're so lucky. Uh, We do have a very deep team. And with everybody healthy... Arguably the most dangerous team in Major League Soccer. But when you have so many key components hurt, it, it, it certainly sucks. And that injury bug claimed Ryan Hollingshead last week. Uh, obviously, throughout the course of the season, it, it claimed Brian. It claimed Daniil Henry. It claimed Franco Escobar. Uh, it claimed somebody else who hit a milestone today. We'll yeah, talk we'll about talk that. about that in a little bit. Well, after so. the third minute, we got to talk about that. Look, but, uh, well, was it eighth minute? Wasn't it the eighth third. minute? Oh, okay. It's third minute. Yep. All right. So, uh, I, I, look, let's rip the Band-Aid off. Let's just get right into it. <laughs> uh, let's. It's frustrating because... Yes, I hate doing these things. Yeah, but you know what, though? This match, you mentioned it. We built it up, man. We built it. I thought, Philly, for sure, I thought we were going to see a Wednesday night, MLS after dark, typical Run and shoot offense, four to three, three to two, three to one, some big scoring game. It just never materialized. And honestly, LAFC controlled the run of play for most of the match. I'm surprised. We're going to talk about the stats later on. We're going to talk about chances later on. But to be perfectly honest, LAFC controlled this match. But why did it still feel like the better team won today? No, because the better team did win today in this annual Al Rate Bowl. Why are we calling it the Al Rate Bowl? We love our dear friend Al Rate, who was once the director of match day presentation for LAFC. Then he took his talents to Austin, where he did his thing there. And now he's running the show at Charlotte FC. The reason why I bring up Al Rate's name, not only because we miss him and love him, and he represented both teams, but uh, I want to bet finally, Scarf. Wait, you want to bet? Yeah, Al and I made a bet because obviously I'm an Eintracht Frankfurt fan. He's yes, a Rangers fan. So keep an eye out on Al Raid's social media because he's going to have to pay up. He's going to have to pay the piper. But And just in case you're wondering what he's talking about, the Europa League final was today. Yeah. And the son of one of Philly's favorite players plays for Rangers. The the son of Haji? Is it George Haji, the Romanian, the Carpathian Maradona. Right. And that, you know what? I thought that Philly was just joking when he would throw something like that out. And I looked up George Haji on Wikipedia. This guy doesn't think I'd tell the truth. And he literally is the Carpathian. <laughs> I mean, come on. That's got to be on your tombstone. Here lies George Haji, the Carpathian <laughs> The Maradona. sorrow of Moldavia. Right? Like, that's Ghostbusters <laughs> 2 right now. Ray Stans is looking that up. His name's not Tobin Vigo, bro. Spirit Guide right now. Like... <laughs> The Carpathian. Put your PK meter down, bro. <laughs> he, it's like uh, what one of the teams that plays in that in that uh, Scottish Premier League, Heart of Midlothian. Like I just love names <laughs> that sound like they were made in cults in the 1200s. 
I'm just all about that. Look, we got to have some fun when we're talking about this crap. Yeah, otherwise, just stab me with a rusty screwdriver in the retina. Look, there were there were a couple of headers. Maxine made a nice save and everything else. But Philly, I'm going to let you go ahead and take away third minute, the significance of it with, look, I've said time and time again that Adama Diamande is my favorite player. But I also said on 110 Football Today, he may not ever be our best player. He may not ever be the most talked about player, but he is without a doubt the fan favorite and heart and soul of the black and gold. One Latif blessing. And, and you said it. I mean, the kid's five foot nothing, but he plays like he's a 12 foot giant. Why? Because there's passion and there's heart. And you're right. He's not going to be the most talented. He may not have the best ball handling. He may not find the back of the net often, but that kid plays like his heart's on fire. And like every single second that he runs onto the pitch is his last. That's why I love him. That's why he will forever be my favorite player. And he accomplished something pretty darn cool in the third minute of today's game. He became the all-time leader in minutes played with 8,856 passing the guy who scored the first goal against the Sounders, Diego Rossi, which is pretty darn cool. So he set a new LAFC record, and we'll talk about what happened to him later on. That was, you know, his... Uh, his his trophy, what what he ended up getting, he certainly uh, he, he it wasn't a golden boot. Let's just put it that it way. But not a, a boot of boot some nature that but, he got today. That's... But yeah, c- congratulations to the game changer. Eight thousand eight hundred and fifty six minutes, and yeah, we we certainly got a steal from Sporting Kansas City. Latif Blessing, one of only two players left from our inaugural twenty eighteen roster. That's right. We'll be talking about the other one in just a little bit. Philly, I don't know how you feel, but I feel like the 13th minute was the first real play of consequence in the first half. <laughs> no consequence. It uh, comes off a miscue by Cheeky Palacios. It looked like he didn't get a good touch on the ball as it was cleared to him. And then it just kind of, the ball ricocheted off a corner, came to Cheeky Palacios, and the ball falls to Valencia after Cheeky couldn't clear. He's able to find a wide open Ruben Gabrielson for the game's first goal. And... I just put it in my notes. Oh, imagine that. LAFC down again in the first half. Philly, you're the one that shared the stat. Wasn't it just only like two or three matches all season that we have not been either trailing or tied at the end of the first half? Yeah, and that's we're having to play from behind, slow starts. I mean, that, that's that been the case all season. And while, yes, that's how the goal played out, we have to talk about how we got into a position in which Austin had the set piece. It was a run for the ball between Uruti, Oh, Rudy Driussi and Ring. Oh, my. That's your <laughs> Wizard of Oz reference. Um, but Arudi battling it out with Kellen Acosta. There was a foot race. Acosta got ahead of Arudi, tracked back quite well. Tried to get it over to Maxime Crepeau, but it was a bad, bad pass. Crepeau couldn't handle it. That got the ball out, set-piece corner for Austin, and that's what led to that goal. Bad playing by, by Kellen Acosta. Dare I say his worst game as a member of LAFC, but... You know, it's situations like that. I mean, we didn't get caught on the counter, but we didn't have very good set-piece defense, which is something that plagued us early on in uh, in the history of our team. But, I mean, that play happened because, I mean, you can't blame it on one guy, but, man, if Kellen would have connected with Maxime, that play would have never happened. Yeah, you know, there were a couple of different plays that you and I <laughs> both feel like really changed the outcome of this match. But I do want to highlight the the play that I feel like was a momentum killer. We talked, I've already said it. I feel like LAFC controlled the run of play for even most of the first half where we didn't look very good at all. This, I'm not saying we should have been up or we should have won this match, but 
We, we force a save from a Danny Musovsky shot in the 17th minute. We oh, yeah. force a save from a Latif Blessing shot one after the in other. the 17th minute. We force a save from a Carlos Vela shot. Just save after save after save there in the 17th. And then you just you flash forward just a little bit. 23rd minute, Diego Fagundes hits the post. Oof. And we go on the counter, Philly. And in the 25th minute, the minute, the uh, excuse me, the moment of the match that I feel, my personal opinion, we are just 25 minutes in. The 32-52 in the north end is just starting to work themselves into a lather. The fans are finally able to get to their seats because, you know, it's LA. A lot of fans miss the first 5, 10, 15 minutes of the match. And everybody is there. Everybody's ready to see LAFC be at their best. Mahala able to make a nice run on the right-hand side, makes a little move, and you and I, Philly, both thought this ball was by Brad Stuver, but as Bob Miller for the Los Angeles Kings used to say for years and years and years here in Los Angeles, kick, save, and a beauty. That's right. The play that kept Austin in the lead, and to me, the play that swung the momentum for the rest of the first half, Mahala gets kick, saved, by Brad Stuver. I mean, it was a fantastic save, man. Their backup keeper, who, you know, you could argue was responsible for the last two losses for Austin Tarbell, would have been tarred and feathered by Mahala had he had an opportunity to face him. But Stuver, coming back from that knee laceration, made a heck of a save. And you said it, one after the other within the 17th minute. That had to have pumped up Josh Wolf and company. I mean, Stuver looked like a rock star. Arguably, if we're going to have a team of the week, he's going to be my keeper, without a doubt. Seven saves. We kept him busy, but yeah. Mahala, you know, he he had the mustard on it. It just didn't have the height on it. If it was a little bit higher, that wouldn't have been no kick save. And it would have punched the back of the net. We would have been tied. Despite playing like crap, it would have been tied. But you said it. That was a that was a game shifter and, and a momentum changer. And Austin, Austin maintained themselves. They capitalized. The longer that we went without scoring there in the first half, right, Philly, you just felt like Austin kept getting their momentum and kept getting their momentum and kept getting their momentum. So it became a little frustrating in the 37th minute. Johan Valencia picks up a yellow card and not soon after, excuse me, not long after that, Kellen Acosta in the 38th minute, it was a pretty hard foul and a very quick yellow in the 39th for Kellen Acosta. To me, that foul was just icing on the cake of an absolute dog doo-doo first half from Kellen Acosta. And just for good measure, since Jose Cifuentes was pissed off about the whole thing, <laughs> he went over to the referee, and I thought they were only exchanging dinner plans, maybe good places to eat in Austin for barbecue when they go out there in August, which I can't go to because Nina's brother is getting married. But either way, <laughs> Lame. in that 39th minute, LAFC picks up not one, but two, ah, 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 two yellow cards for their time. So much for being under three and a half yellow cards, which is what I anticipated. I mean, yeah, Kellen, Kellen gets the um, gets the yellow, but I mean, it, it was a frustration yellow card. I mean, he it was. got dispossessed seconds prior. It was. Again, 38 minutes into this game and Kellen Acosta. Not showing that he truly wants to be on on Greg Berhalter's and, U.S. Men's National Team. I mean, look, let's let let let's back up for a minute because I think you and I are both in agreement on one other thing, Philly. Kellen Acosta playing badly out of position. He is not just our third string right back. 
He is our third string right back who's not a right back. Yeah. He is he is a midfielder of the highest quality. That's why he's on Greg Berhalter's US men's national team. So I can't fault Kellen Acosta too much. But you know what I did see somebody in the chat at 110 football and I saw somebody else saying it online. He is a professional and he's the one. I bet if you go to Kellen Acosta and you go to Steve Chirundolo and you ask them both, I bet they'll both say, yeah, no, Kellen Acosta is probably the one that put his hand up and said, all right, coach, I can take that spot for you if that's what you need. I know he did it for a little bit last game, but that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about knowing you're going into the match, playing right back. And maybe, Philly, they had two practices this week in between games. How many of them were working on situational uh, drills and plays with Kellen Acosta playing right back? I'm not quite sure. Philly, we mentioned him breaking the minutes record. But in the 42nd minute, Maximiliano Arruti with a dangerous foul on, Lat- on excuse me, Latif Blessing. And at the start of stoppage time, Philly, Latif has to come off for Pancho Janela. He was on the floor for a while. If you're in a professional wrestling, all I could hear is JR, not, not the scarf, but, but good old JR yelling, oh my God, they killed him. Uh, he was down for a while. Luckily, he was able to get up via the help of the trainers, and he, he moved to his own accord, but, but he was limping. And so I didn't see anybody warming up for a little while as Latif was heading towards the sidelines. And then all of a sudden, Poncho comes out, so it's like, all right, Latif's game is done. And Latif, despite having the most minutes now played in LAFC history, they gave him a boot. A boot because he probably he probably did something to his ankle. We don't know the prognosis. Steve Chirundolo in the press conference mentioned that it wasn't serious. But Latif Blessing getting bit by the injury bug? How many players? And again, I'm not making excuses, but it's like game after game after game, we have somebody else, somebody new go down, and it's frustrating. That's sports. I get it, but it seems ironic that with Latif Blessing breaking the record for most minutes in LAFC right now, seems ironic that he has to go out with something that mostly our defenders have gone out with this season, and that's the injury bug. Yeah, look, you'll see the uh, the pictures on social media. He was on crutches and in a walking boot. But, Philly, you and I both kind of breathed a little bit of a sigh of relief. You're right. When we heard Steve Chirondolo say in the press conference that he didn't think it was serious, I hope he is correct Stoppage time ends, LAFC down one nothing at the half. And again, another half where LAFC underperforms, where they underwhelmed. And, and I feel like, all right, that, that means that Steve Trundolo is going to have to push all the right levers and buttons and do whatever he does behind the curtain there as the great and powerful Trundolo. Uh, <laughs> I just, I, I'm tired of relying on this, though. I have to be perfectly honest, Philly. Uh, with this lineup and everything else, I, I'm not, I'm not as worried about it as I was, but as I as I am for, for other matches that we've played. But I, I love Steve Chirundolo. I love his new style. I love a lot of the little things that he brings to the table. What I don't love is, Philly, we are a dozen matches into the season, and I don't think you can call it a coincidence anymore. It's a pattern. It is a pattern of slow starts. It's a pattern of frustration, and it's a pattern of not being able to string passes together through the offensive attack so that we can put some goals on the board in the first 45. Yeah, I, I don't understand. I mean, what what... What is it about the tactics? What is it about these games? Like, if it was on the road, it'd be one thing. I would get that. But even at Bank of California Stadium, where, you know, there's such a buzz and excitement and electricity in the air, 
How does this team fail to come out of the gates hot? I mean, they did not look good within the first 45 minutes of the game. And Steve going in at the half, he had a team that had eight shots, four of them on targets. But four of them saved by Stuver. Stuver had a really good game. I mean, the stats were all in favor of LAFC. Possession uh, and whatnot. But there was that one pesky stat that wasn't in favor for LAFC. Well, yeah, the uh, the, the most goals. important one, goals. Yeah. But, you know, the game was also a lot chippier in the first half than I would have imagined. I mean, we're going into the half with, with 20 fouls between the two teams, 12 on Austin, 8 on LAFC. That was kind of crazy. And so Steve... Rather than wait for the 65th minute or so, decided to utilize his reinforcements right off the bat. What I thought would be a breakout game for Danny Musovsky, him finally getting a start, he ends up starting the bench, starting the second half on the bench, because now we have the rightful starter in the front line, Chicho Arango. And look, Chicho came right out, right? He, he missed a shot. As soon as he got it, though, he put the defense on notice for yeah. Austin FC. He said, all right, all right, you guys. You won't just be able to double down on Vela right now because I don't think Austin FC was all that concerned about Mahala or about Danny Musovsky. So he comes in, and, and I believe the line goes he announced his presence with authority. I like that, although we would have liked him to score. Uh, trying to score in front of his daddy in the 49th minute was Oof. Owen Wolf with that right-footed shot outside the box. Howler, man. Was, he barked at the moon. He really did get a lot out of that one. And uh, just because it was such a good play, a minute later, he also got a yellow card. So, hey, got to pile up those stats one way or yeah, another. Yeah, why not? Uh, that being said, Philly, it was Chicho again with the best chance that we had in the next 10 minutes. We're talking about at the hour mark. It is a header that Philly... You and I looked at each other and we said, you got to put that on frame. You got to put that somewhere within the woodwork and, and, and really make the keeper make a play. Yeah, I mean, that came, that came with authority as well. I mean, similarly to his shot in the, in the, in the start the half. I mean, you, 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 got, you got to convert those. I mean, Chicho is, Chicho is an assassin. At the end of the day, he certainly helped our season last year, and we know he can score. He led the Colombian First Division in scoring, and I don't know what's up with him either. Like, you think he'd come off the bench with a little more motivation and uh, a little bit more, uh, well, direction, and, and, and so really, to speak. That's after you and I both saying that he was the only frontline starter that played well last match in our 2 nothing loss to Colorado. So a little bit of Jekyll and Hyde here from Chicho. The other thing that I thought was was at least relatively pleasing was it was Kellen Acosta on that cross who found Chicho the first and, dare I say, really only good play in the match for Kellen Acosta. Philly, uh, I didn't know if we would be able to see it for the next couple of games or so, but luckily, just like a broken clock is right twice a day, in the 63rd minute, <laughs> Jesus David Murillo with a yellow card. We're just going to... We're going to save that, clip I taught, it, I taught a yellow card. and just play it every match because, you know what, we've got our own Diego Chara. <laughs> we, we we really do, but I, I, I still don't think Murray's as dirty as, as no, Diego Chara. No, not as Chara. dirty, but just as proficient in picking up those canary cards. Hey, I mean, it's some it's, it's something to be proud about. Like, <laughs> I would be proud down the road to, like, tell my grandkids, yeah, I I led the league in, in yellow cards and yellow card accumulations. I was a beast. Like, I think it'd be fun to say, yeah. but it's certainly not fun talking about. Uh, 
I mean, Murray is an automatic yellow card just, just waiting to happen. I mean, you said it jokingly against Portland during the Open Cup match. It's like Diego Chara comes on the field before the game starts. Ref might as well just hand him a yellow card. Same concept goes for, for, for Murray as well. <laughs> I mean, it really does. I, I just I picture those old-time wrestling ads or those boxing posters. Anytime Portland and LAFC play each other, and in the green corner, it's Diego Chara. In the black and gold corner, it's Jesus David Murillo. And they both get a yellow card. Like It's just, it's like Oprah, right? Here, you get a yellow card. You get a yellow card. Uh, again, though, I, I'll say it, 68th minute, it's Chicho Arango forcing another save from Stuver. The, and it was a nice play by Pancho Janela on this time yeah. to, uh, to find Chicho. And, and look, LAFC gets a corner in the 68th. And before they set up for that corner, Philly, I, I was so excited to see he looked good. He looked healthy. He he looked all the part that the ladies like with the abs and the tattoos and the perfectly coiffed hair. And I'm not talking about Mamadou Fall, who subbed in in the giggity 69th minute for Jesus David Murillo. Talking about one Brian. Yes, Brian. Down the left wing, he went flying. <laughs> Coming in in the 69th minute. And I I looked. Oh, God. We were there with uh, with Gaston. And and I looked at him. I was like, I need this man. I need Brian to do something. I I think I'm the only one left on the bus, Philly. There's I don't even know if there's a driver at this point. I have now moved myself to the passenger seat, and I'm just watching the bus careen on ahead, hoping it doesn't hit anything. <laughs> yeah, you got you got Chris Farley from uh, Billy Madison as the bus driver on that one. <laughs> Brian, oh Brian, oh. please score a goal before we all start crying. Jeez, but you know what though. Him coming into the game, yeah, it certainly changed things. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, he is a talented kid, and we we completely saw the difference in LAFC. It wasn't only Brian that subs into the match. It was Mamadou Fall. Right. And interestingly enough, we had, despite having all these guys hurt, we still had two defenders on the bench. Mamadou Fall, again, we're going to need him on Saturday against yeah. Columbus. And then Daniil Henry coming off the questionable list. You know, why did we have to put Kellen Acosta back where we did? Yeah, maybe it was one of these put me in coach. I'll all, do the best I all can. All those other thing, guys but, are center backs, though. That's yeah, I know. But, I mean, wouldn't you want somebody who uh, at least has had communication well, with some of the other boys in the back? I, I get that they're – I get what you're saying. Yeah, but, I, and I think you and I both kind of – we joked about this before. Who was next up after Kellen Acosta? It was probably Latif Blessing who left with injuries. So yeah, I mean, I mean, Latif Blessing has played every position on the uh, pitch for LAFC other than goalkeeper. When Latif plays keeper, not if, but when Latif <laughs> plays keeper, <laughs> that's when we are gefickt. That's I know. I'm just saying. That's when he becomes my favorite player of all time in LAFC history. It's be like uh, Albert Pujols taking the mound and throwing oh the pitch. Oh my god! He actually blessing he got the first the two outs relatively simply, and then they just went yard work on him a couple of times there. No surprise, Tio Albert, man. All right, so you're absolutely right though, Philly, because right after he comes into the match, 70th minute, Cheeky Palacios forcing a save. You got Carlos Vela forcing a save in the excuse me, uh, missing an attempt in the 71st minute. Uh, off the uh, off the pass by Jose Cifuentes, and you're right. There was a shot in the arm. It was exactly what we needed. And then I think over the next three or four minutes, Austin kind of weathers the storm. Josh Wolf calms himself down and gets a couple guys in Gallagher and Keller. We'll talk about Keller in just a little bit on a significant play. But between Gallagher and Keller, and all of a sudden I feel like I'm in the Irish Premier League. We got Gallagher and Keller. That's a good lad. 
Uh, it's, you know, I think Austin wrestled momentum back just a little bit. And then unfortunately, Philly, the 80th minute hex rears its ugly head yet again. Yep. The player that we said we needed to watch out for Diego Fagundes. What is it about Diego Fagundes that made us want to watch him? Well, let's look at his past. The kid was New England Revolution's first homegrown signing. He was the youngest player in MLS history to reach 50 goals. The youngest player in MLS history to reach 100 caps with his team. This is a kid who's pretty darn good. And the Revs should be kicking themselves for losing this young man. He's now on FC Broccoli, leading the league in assists. But it wasn't an assist that uh, led him to make his mark into the game. Atlanta on the counter. Fagundes punches in the second goal for Austin in his second goal of the season. And just like that, we are down two to nothing. The comeback that we were anticipating for LAFC gets a shot in the junk, and we are bleh. Down 2-0. And, and I hate to say it, Philly, it was Mamadou Fall. Mamadou Fall did not step up, did not close out space, and that left plenty, and we mean plenty of room for Diego Fagundes on this one. Really unhappy with the effort there from the 19-year-old center back, and I think it was, look, it, God forbid the 19-year-old kid's allowed to be human. He got caught a little bit late, got caught ball-watching a little bit, and, you know, that's what happens, unfortunately. We're down... 2 nothing, and flash forward five minutes later, right when you thought that candle was about to flicker, that, that Charlie candle, if you will, that would be about to flicker completely out for the match in the 85th minute, it's Stuver helping out LAFC this time. It was a foul in the box. Carlos Vela awarded the penalty, and Philly, you mentioned two pieces of history that happened in today's match. It wasn't just Latif Blessing taking the minutes lead, but you had Carlos Vela joining Sebastian Giovinco and Robbie Keane in a very exclusive club. Yep, the third fastest player in Major League Soccer history to register 100 combined goals and assists, doing it in just 98 games. Had he done this like two or three games prior, he would have beaten Robbie Keane and Sebastian Giovinco. But... Vela's going to have to settle for third, and you know, it's still a pretty darn good uh, position to be in. A really, really cool accolade. Charlie Candle gets his fourth goal of the season, and by looking at the stats, you think he's having a pretty darn good year? Eh, well, he's only scored in two games uh, in the grand scheme of things. Three games, but, right? Three games. Uh, oh, he's got five goals on the yeah. season. I apologize. Yeah, three games. He had three goals against Austin. I'm sorry, not Austin. Colorado, one against Austin, and... Yep. My memory isn't serving me correctly where he got the fifth goal. Uh, uh, it doesn't matter. To, we'll, we'll come we'll have back to, double to that. We'll double check on that one. But. Uh, DM us at Defenders of the Bank and Scarf will send you a, uh, a shot of him putting on socks or what? something. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, not sexy enough. I, I'm literally about to take off my socks if that does anything for you guys out there in uh, Defenders Nation. It's 2.03 in the morning. Why uh, uh, Why is it that we wait until after the 80th minute to wake ourselves up, Philly? It's, in it's 80- better than conceding, honestly. Yeah, in the 89th minute, it was Sebastian Driussi with the foul, and everybody was confident except for the good people over at Pro that this was a penalty. My only question is... Why does it take so long to get to that decision? And why have pro referees been so bad this season? 
Unfortunately, the VAR decision upholds the fact that it was just a common quote-unquote foul on Cheeky Palacios. And so Philly, I, I feel like that was that was pretty much it. That was the, the wind in our sails was let out by that VAR no call. And, and we saw contact. We thought we saw contact. And the funny thing is, if you go back and you listen to Steve Chirundula's press conference, when asked about that, he said an, an official came up to him was just like, yeah, you know, I, I do want to acknowledge that there was contact with Cheeky in the box. And, and, and Steve, like, puts his arms up. He's like, yeah, that's, that's pretty, that pretty much sums it up. Right. I mean, pro at this point, I mean, here's your acronym for this, this, this organization. Pretty rancid officiating. Like That's it. what pro stands for. Pretty rancid officiating. I mean, we can blame the refs all we want, but in reality, we still don't do ourselves any favor. But, you know, a uh, throw us a freaking bone here from, from time to time. <laughs> it would have been nice to finally have something come our way because we, we could have stolen, stolen some points back. It wouldn't have felt as crummy losing at home. We haven't lost at home in nine games, but... Pretty rancid officiating prevented us from getting that. Yeah, look, let's let's be honest here. Uh, everything kind of broke our way, other than our own match this this week in terms of things that we needed to keep us relatively high in the table. <laughs> Although Philly, I, I do would love wanna... to have hung out with the forty two originals. <laughs> speaking of which, right? Well, we did we did see Keith on the uh, on the jumbotron a couple times. Philly, look. <sighs> Uh, also, by the way, can we talk about Seattle is no longer 14th. They are quickly moving up the standings no after surprise. a couple of wins there. No surprise for sure. Uh, Philly, you're man of the match. I'm going to make you pick one, and, and I'm going to throw a little monkey wrench into it. It can't be Carlos Vela, even though he scored a goal for LAFC. Give me your man of the match other than Carlos Vela, because I feel like he's the easy choice. Oh, my man of the match? I mean, jeez, I didn't even really have a, a man of the match. When we were talking about stock up on 110, I was talking about how the injury bug had the stock up, because <laughs> that seems to be the only entity on LAFC that keeps on winning. Um <sighs> If we're going to talk about man of the match, we're going to have to talk about somebody who, you know, who, who made an impact. Um, who the heck made an impact? I mean, I, I, was I don't really, know, man. Brian. Brian I, came see, in. See, you guys, this, this is why I took Carlos Vela out of the... I was hoping that Philly would come around to saying Brian Rodriguez. And I did. And you didn't prompt me. I, this I, is I, why we need to be I, on Twitch. I didn't. That's what I'm saying. That's what I love. Uh, this is Philly coming around, and we are both in agreement. Because look, sure you can say Carlos <laughs> Vela was man of the match because he scored, but these are these matches, you guys. The twenty minutes that Brian Rodriguez was on the pitch is exactly why it's so infuriating being the bus driver of the Brian Rodriguez fan club. <laughs> it, it's I can just he, picture Chris Farley and Billy <laughs> Madison right now. You see the talent. You see the ability. You see his... <laughs> that Rayito. <laughs> you see his ability to change the game literally on a dime. And he did that today. And to be honest, we almost came away with a point, if not more, at the bank. Definitely my man of the match. And after 12 matches, we had already talked about it. But because of goals four, which they are up by one, and goal differential, which they are now up by three, 
LAFC is no longer at the top of the table in Major League Soccer or for the West, for that matter. Austin FC and their breakfast tacos have broken our stranglehold on the standings, though we are both tied on 23 points. The Dallas Buyers Club sits third, one point behind the two teams, and Carson is three behind our total. And and Philly, we don't have a lot of time to lick our wounds. We don't have a lot of time to get people healthy. We don't have a lot of time to dwell on the past because we get to travel to beautiful Columbus, Ohio. Don't feel- hate on Columbus, Ohio. <sighs> don't hate on Columbus. Columbus is a fine town scarf. I had one of the best steaks ever there. It was only 50 bucks with a bottle of wine. Well, maybe you can DM Team Security Paul and tell him where he can go get a good steak. He'll tell you where you can go. That's for sure. You tell him what to do. In Columbus, Ohio, Philly. Columbus is fine. It, I just don't like the Buckeyes. That's the only part that Columbus, makes Columbus gross. in May, when you've just played a game three days earlier and you're going to play another game four days after that, I'm pretty sure I speak for all of the LAFC players on that bus when we say, no, thank you. <laughs> Hi, we're in <laughs> Delaware. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. Um, look, it's not. It's not something that would like get me get me going and get me excited either. It's kind of like one of those like, yeah, all right. It's going to be like, you know, like, like Davenport or, you know, Des Moines or, or Birmingham. You mentioned it earlier. Birmingham going from Las Vegas, Nevada to Birmingham, Alabama. Right. What a bore. But By the way, how does that get on a travel schedule for a USL team? How, how do you have to go from Vegas to Birmingham? Hopefully not by bus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, look, uh, after we head back home from Columbus, we take them on on the 21st. The big one, at least the big one here in this gauntlet. And, you know, I I agree with what you said on 110 football as much as I want to win every single match that we play. If we, for some reason, either drop points and come away with a draw or or it's it's an ugly win against Columbus, ugly wins don't matter, they still give you the same number of points, it, it would all ring hollow if we find a way to fall back into the particular pattern that we have done throughout the course of our club's history and lose at Dignity Health Sports Park. So game on the 21st against Columbus, game on the 25th against Carson. Why not? Game on the 28th against San Jose at Bank of California Stadium. And then three weeks. And then 21 days after that for us to all rest, recover, save up a little bit of extra money again. And again, if we win, by the way, if we win, after that 21-day break, no, we when play. we win. I like it. When we beat Carson, we got two games in like four more days after we get playing again after those 21 days. So it's it's going to be interesting, Philly. I think there's plenty of time in the season to worry about things like Supporter Shield and records and all that stuff. But it's definitely no fun, Philly, falling and not, of course, this is our namesake here, defending the bank. Yep. Again, first loss in nine that we've had at Bank of California Stadium. First loss we've had there of the season. Yeah, it sucks. But like you said, all will be forgotten if we could actually set history and break some hearts and set some trends. And that's beating Carson in another tournament style competition in Dignity Health Sports Park, a place that we have never walked out of with a W. You, 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 you learn by losing. And hopefully these boys are, are learning a little bit and at the very least getting a chip on their shoulder. We'd hate to see them be down on themselves because, again, there were some bright spots. They maintained possession. They took several shots. They just couldn't convert, and Brad Stuver played out of his mind. 
couple careless turnovers, and then boom, we got we we pay for it like we have all season long. But you said it; it's a third of the way in. Nothing to be afraid of. We're maintaining the same record as Austin, um, but obviously they, with statistical scenarios, they jump ahead of us in the in, in the division. But there's still plenty more football left to be played. I just hope that our injury situation changes itself. And having three weeks off in between May 28th and our next game is going to be huge. Yeah. We get this. We get these boys back. Heck, maybe even Julian Gaines will come back from his pelvis, <laughs> pelvis injury. Um, I think we're going to be really dangerous if everybody's healthy. And Look, just, we need the break. You're absolutely right. We are going to be really dangerous when we get everybody back. That being said... We got a game against Columbus, Philly, in according to this calendar, less what, than the three days. Calendar less than three days away. It is now Thursday, May nineteenth at two twelve in the morning. Oh shoot! So me. just two more days left until we take on Columbus at is it Lower dot com Field? Uh, that's what Columbus fans do to their expectations every season since they got bought out. Well, they, they're better they, than Ezra. Lower? Oh wow! Really? That's, well, I don't know. I, I mean, that's. I was no, I know, I know. But, but a little less than Jake. Oh boy! <laughs> Funny band names of the '90s for twenty bucks. Alex. Oh my goodness! All right. Well, with that, Philly, I think we should bid this episode adieu. Yeah, thank God. I want to. Uh, go we're gonna do this again in just a couple of days. But until we do, you guys know how we like to end all of our episodes. Bye bye.